Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts for today's next positional ranking episode. We're starting off the defensive rankings. And the first group that we will be doing is safeties. Fun class. There are uh, some really talented first-rounders in this group. There's also some nice back-end talent as well. And you were kind of talking about, before we got rolling here, Ryan, that they're, it's kind of hard to pick a, a guy that's been overhyped because this is a pretty good, good group overall. Yeah, I mean, I thought it had the chance to be a, a, a great group when Brandon Joseph, like leaving the summer for Brandon Joseph mm. from Northwestern, who has now transferred to Notre Dame. I thought he could have been the second safety. Didn't quite have the season, obviously, so he ended up going back to school and ended up transferring to Notre Dame. By the way, Joe, I've heard that he has looked phenomenal for the Irish mm. in the spring, like interceptions every single day of practice. Are we talking safety one for next year? Maybe? Oh, or it's him and Jordan Battle, right? I mean, maybe. I mean, he's... Yeah, he's good. Brandon Joseph's good. He just needs that. He need, he got into a little bit of a trouble at Northwestern last year because I think he was just trying to do a little too much. You know, he was just kind of pressing right. a little bit. But I mean, he had nine interceptions in the last two years. So kid's got incredible ball skills. I'm excited for him. But even after that, I mean, there's a bunch of guys that I think I can make an argument that three to four guys could go in the first rounds. I mean, there's one that's an absolute definite. And I think there's two to three after that where you could say, like, I could see him sliding somewhere into the late stage of the first round. I think there's a lot of depth on day two. I think there's some intriguing mm-hmm. players near the end of day three into the UDFA conversation. So I think it's just a it's a good group all the way around from all levels. You're talking about depth up top. I like it a ton. I'm talking about depth as far as guys that are going to maybe be in the second, third, mid-round type of conversation. Then you talk about guys that maybe even are stretched to the end of day three. I think I think there's a lot of guys that we could talk about in this episode. Yeah, and heck, I, I would argue that your top four guys, and I don't want to spoil any, any names here, your top four that you have uh, have been brought up as possible first-rounders by a number of notable national analysts. So like that's, it's not out of the equation out of the realm of possibility that we could have four guys go in the safety group. I think all four of the top guys that we talk about, I have seen at some point, at least in one or two first round Mm -hmm. mock drafts, but like not first round mock draft, just by your typical Joe on Twitter. Like, I mean, we're talking Mel Kiper, typical Joe, (laughs) (laughs) typical Joe DeLeo. Is that who I am? (laughs) No, I don't know why. It's just an average Joe. Like they, yeah, yeah. I, I know that. I know what you were going for. It was okay, just I'm funny. <laughs> but when we're talking about guys like Mel Kiper, Todd McShay, Dane Brugler, Jordan Reed, like the guys that are really plugged in in the ESPNs, Athletics of the world, we have seen several of these guys that have been in first round mocks. So I mean, the NFL is very fond of this class, and I don't think it's just a one person class. I think that the the group up top is especially good this year. 
So let's, uh, well, it was a bad voice crack. Let's get into that, that group of, of guys that we're going to talk about. Before we do, though, folks, I just want to tell you about today's sponsor, which is BetOnline. BetOnline is your number one source for all of your sports betting needs and your source for sports info and odds. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's odds for the Masters and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all popular sports and games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Ryan, as always, let's start with a sleeper for the the, uh, the 2022 safety class. You're going with Dane Belton from Iowa, and Iowa had a really, really good secondary this past year. Uh, a number of those guys ended up returning, but Belton was one of the key pieces roaming the back end of that secondary. Why is he, for you, a sleeper amongst this group? I mean, like you said, I think he's a sleeper because he played in a very talented secondary, and I feel like he was kind of a it was a surprise early declaration because he was only a, I think a retro sophomore or a true junior this year. And he played in that secondary with Matt Hankins, uh, who's returning at cornerback and their best corner was Riley Moss before he got injured uh, during the latter stages of the season. I would say that Riley Moss was probably the front runner for the Thorpe award uh, when he got hurt. I mean, he was having a dynamic season, Joe quick trivia who won the Thorpe award this year. For the best oh my God. Back in college football. It wasn't Kyle Hamilton. It was not Kyle Hamilton. Oh, it was Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant. Good job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that. I knew that. Because I, the only reason why I remember that is because it's weird that Sauce Gardner didn't win it, but Kobe Bryant did. But that's because that's that's because no one threw the ball at Sauce Gardner. All the all the attention was over at Kobe Bryant. So yeah, sorry, sorry. Quick tangent there, but yeah, Belton played on a very underrated, uh, very good and underrated secondary. I mean, there are several NFL guys there. So much so that Xavier Williams, who was a great player at Northern Iowa, transferred over to Iowa and he barely played because <laughs> it's just like it was just such a stacked secondary. And Belton played a role in this secondary where he was kind of an interchangeable safety nickel type, but he spent a lot of time in the slot. And I feel like sometimes those guys just get a little undervalued in general, but he has snap reps, obviously playing in the slot and man coverage, playing zone. He's played from depth a little bit. But I really like the short area change of direction. I think that this kid can be a nickel. I think he can play safety. I think that he can play in the short zones and do a lot of different things for a defensive secondary. And, I mean, I think the upside is still there because I think he's a very proactive football player. He's got great eyes. And then, honestly, Joe, he went to the combine. He tested a lot better than I thought he would, too. He ran, like, in the 4-4s. Like, this kid's a pretty good athlete for a density-built safety that's kind of played more more in the nickel. So, I like Dane Belton a ton. I think that if he ended up going in the third round, I wouldn't be shocked. I think he's more probably in, like, the fourth round type of conversation. But I think he's a, I think he's a good football player that's going to play. He He's reminiscent. And it's not a one-for-one comparison because they're a little bit of different players. But he reminds me a little bit of Amani Hooker that came out mm. of Iowa a couple years ago. It's turned into a good slot player for the Tennessee Titans. So a little bit, I, Iowa's quietly done a pretty good job with developing those types of guys. Yeah, they, they've quietly put out some, some nice defensive backs. But I, I always am intrigued when you pick a, a sleeper that isn't coming from like a small school. It's coming from a bigger program. And nonetheless, a really good secondary last year. I think that that is a testament to the depth of the class that he's probably not going to get talked about and he's not getting talked about right now, but he could end up being a high impact player at the next level. 
because there's a lot of other talented players at the top end of this group. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, th- I think the what we've kind of seen a little more than usual is that this is a very deep class, you know, and, and there's a lot of players just overall. So I feel like some guys just slip through the cracks, even though they are from a, a they're from a power five big 10 school like Iowa. I mean, Joe, I heard a, I was talking to an agent the other day. I think last year there was 650 players that had, that had applied for eligibility in the NFL draft this year. It was three crap. This year was three times as much. So 650 last year, we're talking like 2000 people this year where have applied for the draft. So this is not, I mean, talk about depth, like just in numbers, the volume in this class is insane. (laughs) So I feel like that's why this year more than last year, I would say that we're getting more sleeper picks in these sections for guys that are from bigger schools, because I just think that the volume is just such mm-hmm. a high number this year for, for just overall players in the, in the class. So the flip side of things, if we're talking about somebody who has been overhyped throughout the process, again, you had a little trouble handpicking somebody here, but there was somebody who fit that criteria you decided to go with Leon O'Neill from Texas A&M. And as you indicated to me, some people are, for some reason, putting this guy in the top five, but you don't think that the hype really meets that. It's kind of funny that this is the second Texas A&M player that has made that category, Jalen Weidermeyer being the first one to do so. But why did you pick Leon O'Neill as your overhyped safety in the 2022 draft process? Because I, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. He was, he's a high recruited kid. Like I think like five star, at least a high four star type of kid goes to Texas A&M has early playing time, but he's never really the guy. And then he has his best year this year. There's no doubt about it, but he gets a senior bowl invite, gets a combine invite. And I've seen him in multiple third round, second, third round mocks. Like I've seen him in day two mock drafts and like, no, (laughs) just no. Cause then he goes to the combine or not the combine. He didn't test at the combine. He went to the pro day. He runs four seven flat. And I'm just like, that's the athlete I saw on film, man. Like he just doesn't do anything well. I'm just like, so you're talking about a. a I mean, his best route is that he's going to be he's going to be a special teamer on the next level. In my opinion is he's going to be a day three kid. Well, are you going to be able to sell six foot safety that runs four seven as a dynamic special teamer? Like I, I don't think that you can. So I just don't get the Leon O'Neill thing because I just don't think he really affects the game in any way to a high degree. I think he's got okay proactiveness. I think he's he got pretty decent eyes. I think he's an okay tackler, but like I just don't understand that hype. Like a top one hundred type of player, not a chance. I don't. I don't. I might not. I, I haven't finished my eval on him because I only watched one game of him so far. But I would say I wouldn't be shocked if I had a UDFA grade on him. Like, wow! I don't. You think it's that bad? I don't think he's going to stick. Like I just don't see how he sticks long term, man. Like he's going to get drafted because he's from Texas A&M, his Senior Bowl or Combine invite, all that type of stuff. But I don't know. I, I have trouble seeing him sticking long term in the, on the next level. Rolling into your top five rankings for the safety position at number five, you went with who might be one of the best athletes. Can't say he is the best athlete because I think your number one guy, we're, we're going to talk a lot about him because of his. Okay. Well, Kyle Hamilton's your number one guy We're we don't need to play that game. And, and you know who the heck is number one. We all know it's Kyle Hamilton. Everyone has Kyle Hamilton at number one. Some people have him as number one in the class overall as a prospect, but Nick cross Yep. is your number five safety out of Maryland. 
dynamic athlete tested really, really well at the combine. You called your shot when we did our predictions show that he was going to test with some crazy numbers because he has that track athlete background. But here he is debuting at number five on your safety list. What makes him the fifth best safety in this class? And then maybe where do you see him getting drafted? Well, it's that athletic upside. You're always going to value those safeties that can do things working with range from depth. The guys that can play some single high free safety. Like that's this type of kid for me. Like, I mean, at six foot, 205, 210 pounds, ran four, three, four at the combine and had a nice vert. Like he's just an all around explosive athlete. And he's just got a high upside to him. The tape is not perfect because he's not the greatest tackler of all time. He, he has good, he has good want to in the area, but it's just a technical thing where he just needs to get better as a, just a sound tackler. But I think from a physical perspective, he's well put together. He's got some ball skills. He can cover a ton of ground. The upside is there of being a good free safety type with range on the back end. And I just don't think there's a ton of those guys, honestly, because you mentioned Kyle and you're going to mention, we're going to mention a couple other guys were like, they're more, Strong safety types. They're more guys that are going to do things closer to the line of scrimmage. Nick Cross is one of the few true free safety types that can do a lot of things working from depth. So I think the upside is substantial. And I mean, if you told me later down the stages that he's one of the top two or three safeties in this class, I would believe you because I think that the athletic upside warrants that type of consideration. Yeah, certainly a really, really good athlete and, and being brought into that top five discussion makes things even more intriguing for a guy like Nick Cross. Number four starts off the list of guys that you have consideration in consideration for possible first-round picks. He's somebody who keeps being brought up, I think, by a lot of national pundits, like you said earlier, as a possible late first-rounder. Daxton Hill from Michigan, who, again, part of a really, really good defense uh, in the Big Ten, was a big reason why Michigan was so good last year, along with Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo. But Daxton Hill has done some really, really nice stuff. At number four for you, what makes him the fourth best safety in this class? For what I said about Dane Belton, Daxton Hill does everything that I talked about with him, but just at a higher degree. And he's an explosive athlete, but he's played majority nickel for Michigan, like a majority of slot reps. And honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if there's some teams that look at him with the length that he has and the athleticism. Because I mean, this kid's like a four-three something type of athlete and a forty-inch vert type of dude, so he's incredibly explosive. And it's an easy transition to say like nickel safety hybrid type of player. But I wouldn't be shocked you know, if there's some teams that are just like, you can play outside corner at the next level. Like you can be wow. a press man corner with your ability to run and the length that you have. I think it's a possibility. And he's the new age of defensive back. Cause I think that he can play all over the place. And I think that he can give you reps from multiple alignments. My biggest thing with Daxton, because he's a little bit of a thin framed kid. So he has really good effort in the run game and he's a good run defender in general, but you know, uh, physically, I just want him to continue to develop his frame a little bit. And then you just don't get a lot of instances of him playing for depth. You see some good moments when you're working, you know, middle of the field, too high type of looks, but you just haven't seen a ton of reps in that in that regard. So there's a little projection from him as a pure free safety type. But I mean, this guy's a positionless football player in the secondary. You, he's a, he's one of those matchup negators where like you have a dynamic slot receiver, Dax, then you got him. Go, go, going against a Travis Kelsey or a George Kittle, although he's not going to win the matchup every time, Daxon Hill, you're going to put him out there. And again, if there's a 
maybe a bigger body guy that's going to play a little more outside potentially. I think Daxon Hill can play outside a little bit uh, in, in a pinch at corner as well. So he's a little bit of a position positionless player, but I think that he just does a lot of really incredibly versatile things in the back end. And he's a high end mm-hmm. athlete, high end athlete. Yeah. And, and overall having guys that can do that stuff where they can do multiple things being positionless, but more importantly can cover really well. That's what the NFL is always going to be trending more and more towards. So bringing up a guy like Daxon Hill, that's that's huge to, for him to be able to do all that. Everybody wants to play man-to-man across the board, Joe. I mean, like they're, they're seeing a lot more too high looks for just how dynamic wide receivers are getting and how much the, the spread offense has kind of taken over the NFL. But if a defensive coordinator can sit in single high and just play cover one across the board and play man-to-man everywhere, they would. And Daxon Hill gives you that potential. Like He can be that one-on-one matchup guy in the slot. So for teams that love their man-to-man coverage, I think they're absolutely going to love Daxton Hill because he can match up with so many different body types of man. So up to number three now, Lewis Seen, who, friend of the show, appeared on the show, Georgia Safety. Again, we're, we're naming a lot of guys that were part of some really good secondaries, uh, except for maybe the next guy that we're going to get to. Uh, Lewis Seen was on a really, really good Georgia defense, the best defense in the country last year. It's kind of easy to get lost in the shuffle with all those really talented guys and how many of them are going to go in the first round, especially those front seven guys that we're going to end up talking about on on these other positions, uh, position groups. But Lewis Seen, man, very athletic. I think more athletic than people were expecting. But the dude brings the boom. The dude is a great athlete. He's, he's uh, willing and excited to hit people. He's at number three for you. What makes him the third best safety in this class? I have a question for you, and then I have a statement before analysis. Question okay, go. Words, ready? Who was the leading tackler for the Georgia Bulldogs this year? Was it Lewisine? It was Lewisine. Oh, he had like 74 total an easy tackles. Setup. He had more tackles than N'Kobe Dean. I think that's just kind of a crazy stat to think about. I still don't get the N'Kobe yeah. Dean hi- hype. Well, I'm just going to say uh, that. We'll talk, we'll talk about that in the linebackers. Yeah, we'll talk about linebackers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was my question. My statement is, is that I think Lewisine in this cycle is probably going to be the highest drafted player that we've interviewed. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but yeah, he, he I think he's going to go in the first round. I really do because I mm. watched one of his games and it was, I think he tracked down just like a little flat route or there was a jet sweep. I forget exactly what it was, but it was something that was stretching the defense laterally. And he closed so quickly on this play. I was just like, that kid's a four, three athlete. Like, th- like dude can fly. I put it on Twitter and then he runs four, three, seven or whatever it was at the combine. I'm like, yep, that makes total sense. He has a 40 inch vert a 41 inch vert somewhere in that ballpark. So this kid's a incredible athlete and there's no doubt about that on film. I really like the 2020 film for me, Joe was like much different because he was a head hunter on 2020 film, man. He was trying to yeah, knock was smacking dudes. He, he was trying to knock everybody out, man. Like he was that legit, like strong safety camp chancellor type. who was just trying to deplete guys all day. And I remember when our interview he said that his biggest thing going into the season was that he wanted to show what type of player that he could be in pass coverage. I thought he was way better in that area in 2021. I thought he was a lot more controlled and a lot more patient in that regard. I still need to see a little more proactiveness in pass coverage because I still think there's some plays that can be made that he's just a tick slow to kind of react to. But if we're talking athletic upside, there's not many more high high upside guys in this class than Lewis seen. Like the kid has length. The kid has explosiveness. The kid's a heavy hitter. Everything's there for him. It's just about him now taking that next step athletically. Yeah, seeing though, I, I think that that's fantastic that he's he's made it all the way up here. And it's it's always fun to be able to talk about the guys 
that we've interviewed on the show and that, that he could fit into that conversation. But I mean, hell, it, it helps your draft stock when you're a part of the best defense in the country. Everyone, everyone's elevating everybody on the field. And when you've been on the best podcast <laughs> as well, it always helps. Exactly. Hopefully more people figure that out soon. Um, number two, Jaquan Brisker from Penn state who probably on one of the weaker secondaries on this list, but you saw what Brisker was doing last year, and and he really shined amongst that group. To stand out the way that he did, I think, really proved um, the impact that he was able to provide. And Penn State had some good defensive players, but Brisker certainly was was the best of the bunch. What makes him number two for you? He is one of the guys in this cycle most where I watched him in the summer. I didn't really love him that much. And I just mm-hmm. thought 2020 film was so much better. He, he was always a good athlete. There was no question. He's near six, two. He's got length. He's an athletic kid and all that stuff is easy to see on tape. But then you watch the proactiveness that he played with this year. And I mean, he was just jumping past the lanes. He just seemed to always be in the right spot. So when you combine the better eye discipline this year and more ability to get around the football with the athletic profile that he already had. I think it's just a slam dunk player. I mean, he's so consistent in the run game. He's got physicality. He's got length. He's a good athlete. Everything just checks the box with, with a guy like Jaquan Brisker. I just think that he is a more, this is the conversation of upside versus floor Joe. Cause like, I think that Jaquan Brisker is the more safe bet to be a better football player on the next level comparative to a Lewis scene. But Lewisine has a higher upside. But for me, I put Jaquan Briscoe at number two just because I'm much more comfortable where he is today than a guy like a Lewisine. So last up is the obvious choice for number one, the unicorn of the class. And Kyle Hamilton went to the combine, didn't run as fast as I think we were hoping, but still a really, really freaking good athlete. You saw what he was able to do, able to cover the field sideline to sideline. Talking about Kyle Hamilton, what separates him from the group and why does he clearly the the number one guy here? I mean, people freaked out about the six, four and an eighth, 220 pound safety with 33 and Charles running four, five, nine, but like in a vacuum, that's a good time. Even for a safety of that size, especially for a safety of that size. I put on Twitter yesterday. I was like, show me where the speed concerns for Kyle Hamilton are. And it was crickets like no one, no one could, no one could answer it, man. So I don't care about the 40 time. He's an explosive athlete. He's when you talk about guys, his size profile, like not many guys just come around very often. There's the Steve Atwaters of the world, the Kenny Eastleys. I've, I've named this list over and over again. Sean Taylor's like these jumbo size safeties just don't come around very often. So he's the most unique player in this draft from a size perspective, at least per, per, pertaining to his position. And you, I mean, just watch the Florida State tape, man. Just watch it because, he, I mean, he's working stuff back, back. He's on the back hash, working all the way to the sideline. A wide receiver comes open, uncovers downfield off a scramble drill, and just an incredibly rangy player to make an interception down the sideline. This kid is special. He's athletic. Can play too high. Can play single high in a pinch, although I still want him rotating down a little bit. I think he can play some man-to-man um, in the slot against some bigger body types. Kyle Hamilton is the best player in this draft, in my opinion. So when we're talking about Hamilton, though, we can we kind of divert into this this perspective of do we think that he's capable of being drafted in the top five? It, it's really tricky to project, I think, a safety to go that early because yeah. even when they're so dominant, teams still tend to overthink it a little bit and say like, oh, he's a safety. We'll, we'll wait a little bit. Maybe we'll pick if he was being 
if they were picking at the end of the, the top 10, it would make a little bit more sense. But when we start talking about him being a top five pick, a top three pick, what makes Kyle Hamilton good enough compared to other safeties to fit that? I mean, because he, like I said, this type of player just doesn't come around very often. I mean, we always talk about the word generational. I, if there's a player that's in this class that's generational, it's Kyle Hamilton, in my opinion, just because there's that size profile just doesn't come around. So, like in theory, he is just generational by that by that you know allure alone. But I think when you're talking about the top five, I think, and I've been consistent with this, Joe, I think the Lions are going to think about it at two. I don't think that they will take him at two. But I think the Houston Texans are going to have a deep thought. And then I think that this the floor for Kyle Hamilton is number 10 to the Jets. So somewhere three to 10. I don't know exactly where it will be, but I would still be very surprised if he ends up falling out of the top 10. You know, Do you think there's like any chance at all that things get overthought? Any slides? Not as much. I mean, I just had Connor Rogers on our other podcast at Irish Breakdown, and he said that he thought the floor was at, at worst was the uh, number eleven to the Commanders. So even if they fall out of the top ten, I think it's like number eleven. So mm-hmm. I'm not worried about a massive fall because I think I think there needs to be a little bit of there needs to be a little bit of clarity to the fact that four five nine and two hundred twenty pounds and six foot four is it's nuts still. Yeah, it's still very good. So um yeah, I think people are overthinking a little bit. I think Josh, Kyle Hamilton is if he's not your first top, your top player in this class, I think he's two or three. Like he has to be. He's just a different type of dude. Since our listeners love comps, <laughs> if you were to give a Kyle Hamilton comp, is it is is it Steve Atwater? Is that the 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 go to here? Now, I, I put Kenny Easley on him, and I know a lot of people don't know who Kenny Easley is. He was a he just went in the Hall of Fame. He had a very short career for the Seattle Seahawks. He was like 6'3", 215 type of safety in that ballpark. I went with him with Kyle because Kyle, I think, just has a little bit better ball skills than like a guy mm-hmm. like a Steve Atwater. And Steve Atwater was more of a like a true like I'm going to knock your ass into next week. Like that's what, <laughs> that's what type of dude he is. Um, so yeah, I, I think Kenny Easley because I take range on the back end a little bit for a bigger safety. Like that's what I kind of see with Kyle. I don't really, I don't think of Kyle just as like a strong safety type. Like I don't think that he just has to play near the box. He has range on the back end. So we're talking about a six foot four guy plus two hundred twenty pounds, thirty three inch arms that has range on the back end, which is why he is such a rare athlete for this for his position. So there it is, folks. The twenty twenty two safety class, a group that has. Some incredibly talented players, particularly the unicorn himself, Kyle Hamilton, who's going to be such a high-impact player. So fun to watch what he did at Notre Dame. And I'm just excited to see where he lands and the things that he's going to be able to do at the next level. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you're listening in on uh, the audio form or on video. Maybe you're listening to the radio broadcast of this as as we've been appearing on radio recently. Um, also follow us on Twitter at Joe DeLeon and at Rise and Draft. We'll talk to you later. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.